This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Welcome. So I discovered, I won't say I discovered because she was there all the time. I just found her. Uh, this dope person who understands patents. She's a lawyer. She's in this intellectual property arena, but she's also a little bit of a historian. I'm going to say a lot of bit of a historian as it relates to patents. Let me welcome Shantavia Johnson. How you doing today? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, I, you are super smart. And we got into like this Twitter back and forth around Granville T. Woods. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got to have her on my show, but I also <laughs> want to talk off, you know, Mike, uh, after the show about some of the people that we should know, because, you know, there are all these hidden figures and they shouldn't be hidden. We just don't know who they are. And when I saw that Granville T. Woods had 60 patents in the 1800s and that he leveraged those patents to make a life for himself, I'm like, man, who else is out there? So you have uh, agreed to help us understand the folk that we don't know who've done some amazing things in this area of invention. That's right. And I am very passionate about this topic. I've been writing about and researching Black inventors for the longest time. My parents when I was little, they would give us coloring books about Black inventors. So they started young and I just kept learning. So what did your parents do that they thought to indoctrinate you into, into this world? Well, so it was just the perfect marriage of my mother. It was a teacher and educator. My father had his own business and they were very purposeful about teaching us our history. I have two younger sisters and I'm not kidding when I say out, most of our coloring books are like coloring books about black inventors, uh, black business owners, important figures in black history. I would get into arguments with my teachers in like third, fourth, fifth grade about black historical facts because I knew more than they did most of the time. And my parents just, they instilled that in us early. Okay, so I asked you one of the, you know, because we're going to do a series of people, mm -hmm. but who in your mind is someone important that we should know that we don't know? So one of the most important, I have to say, Karen, is the first Black person to receive a patent in the United States that we know about. So the Patent and Trademark Office actually doesn't keep uh, demographic statistics about the backgrounds of inventors, but the first Black patentee person to receive a patent that we know about is a man named Thomas Jennings. Thomas Jennings was born in New York. He was born free. And the thing that really resonated with me about Thomas Jennings was his patent was for a dry cleaning process. So he invented a new way to perform dry cleaning. And the methods that he invented, even in the 1800s, were the precursor to what we use today. But what he would do, in which I, my prayer is that more entrepreneurs and inventors do this, he would take the money he made. He was a very, very successful entrepreneur. He would take that money and invest it in the community and invest in social programs, invest in desegregating the public transportation in the city of New York, and he would purchase the freedom of his family members. Mm. So he wasn't just about making the money, he was about freeing people and then also creating policies that freed even more people. Wow, so why don't we know, and I'm, I'm thinking of third grade Shantavia challenging her teachers because <laughs> I, I did some of that too, uh, got mm -hmm. in a lot of trouble. But our education system is not equipped for 
the kind of education that many of us are getting in our homes, right? Mm -hmm. And these teachers don't know. Mm -hmm. And they're coming in with their rope mentality and they're regurgitating what they've learned in these books and there's so much more to learn. How do we penetrate that? How do we get Thomas Jennings into regular history books? Gosh, so many thoughts about that. So the first thing obviously is diversifying the teacher pipeline in any number of different ways so that we have more educators who have these cultural competencies. And I don't mean just diversifying in terms of race, but ethnicity, uh, 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 nationality, like any number of ways where we can get different perspectives, I think makes a huge difference. The second thing, and the thing that we really, even though everybody has the internet and uses the internet, we haven't really figured out how to penetrate people's minds in many regards. Like, you know, you go to any restaurant, I mean, we could go to restaurants when outside was open, and most kids are on devices. They know how to use devices better than their parents. But most of the time, what they're doing is like watching YouTube videos about random things. But if there were ways we could truly leverage technology to teach kids not just entertain them and i think that goes a long way so like my kids when they want to play a video game for example before we play any video games my husband and i we sit down and we teach them about code we teach them about business so we pay 65 dollars for this video game guess where that money is going guess who's really making money off of that and who's developing these things so we have to connect the things that kids care about to this broader picture. So even like with the history around Thomas Jennings as a black inventor. So yes, he was a black inventor who invented a dry cleaning press, but look at what he was able to accomplish with his money. Like so many people think the pinnacle of success is having money, but it's not really having money. It's about helping other people. So instilling those values in kids too that, you don't just go out and get a job and make money. You have these cultural competencies mm. that you go back to your communities with no matter where you come from. And that's what I do with my own children. I feel like our brothers and sisters in the 1800s were more motivated because freedom was something that was not taken for granted. You said he was born free. That means that there were the majority of folk who look like you and me were not four million plus were mm -hmm. in bondage. So that was a rare thing to be born free. What year was this the 18 what? Because I'm imagining this is 18 something. So he got the first patent in 1821. 1821, hold on, 1821. 40 yeah. years before, 21. before freedom, 40 plus years before all black folk were emancipated. That's right, that's, that's right. He got a patent in 1821. He got a patent in 1821. And even though he was born free, his wife was actually born a slave in Delaware. And so one of his motivations was freeing his wife, even though they lived in New York and New York had that gradual emancipation. I can't remember exactly what the official term was, no. but even though they lived in New York and all this happened around that same time, she couldn't actually be free until 1827. And so even though, so that, that gradual law in Delaware, I think, I can't remember the exact year, but it was basically 20, 10 years before his wife Elizabeth could be freed 
under this new law. And so he actually still had to buy her freedom and then the freedom of his children. Because even though his children were born basically to a, a, they were born to a woman during a time where slavery was emancipated, they weren't free because their mother wasn't free. She was right. still an indentured servant. Because they changed the law to, to the status of the child did not go with That's the status right. of the father, but the mother so that they can keep creating this class of people in bondage. That's, That's exactly right. Crazy. That's crazy. So why, you know, and I'm, I have all of these thoughts, like why would you marry a woman in bondage, which mm -hmm. would tether you to a system of bondage? You know, mm -hmm. I get being in love, but as a man that was free, who made money to be in love with someone who was in bondage owned by somebody else. Right. I don't even know what that must have been like. And are there any writings? Is, is there a book about him somewhere? Like, how did you learn about Mr. Jennings? So there's actually a black woman named Patricia Slubby, S-L-U-B-Y. And she has written some of the most fascinating books about black inventors. She worked apparently at the patent office for many years. I think she's still living. And she did just an inordinate amount of research into the lives, particularly of black inventors. So I learned a lot from reading her work. And then also just my interest in the patent system reading and being just so connected to the field, wanting to find a sense of community because the patent, actually the intellectual property, the practice of IP law, so patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, is one of the least diverse legal fields in the United States. And so, you know, it's hard to find any real diversity in intellectual property law. So I was looking for anything I could find. And Patricia Slubby's books have just been phenomenal. I'm, I'm always going down these rabbit holes and looking for breadcrumbs to get to the next place. And, mm -hmm. you know, every day I get up, I realize how miseducated I am and how much I don't know. And now I'm like thirsty. Uh, Tom, Thomas Jennings, the first person on record that you know of, a Black mm -hmm. person to own a patent in the United States of America. What did that even look like? What did that even mean? I just read this book um, about the, the, Prince of, the Prince of Darkness, it's called. And it was about uh, Jeremiah, oh, what is his name? Dar Jeremiah Wright, I think. No, that's somebody else. But it was a, a Black man that was on Wall Street who was one of the most powerful Black men in, in the country, in the world at this time. And they, they wrote a whole book, but there's not a whole lot about him. But mm -hmm. you know, this white guy pieced together the history of this Black man who might've been from Haiti it might have been from, they don't know where he's from exactly, but he came into New York and set everyone on their ass with his understanding of commerce. And, wow. you know, there are these stories, but they tried to kill him. They literally, during the race rise, they call it, during the uh, Civil War, when white folks had to go to fight in the Civil War, they went and lynched and killed a whole bunch of Black people. They were trying to kill him during that time. He had to flee. But I wonder what uh, Mr. Jenner's life was really like, having a wife in bondage, children in bondage. So he was definitely committed. I, I don't know all the details of what his life was like, but I know enough to know that he was unhappy with the status of African-Americans in the U.S. at that time because he would take this money. And again, he had one of the largest clothing stores in New York City. So this was a very, very wow. wealthy Black man. But he would take his money. He created 
the Legal Rights Association, which essentially was like a precursor to the NAACP. They were committed to desegregating public spaces in the state of New York and the surrounding area. He, his daughter actually, so one of his daughters was a woman named Elizabeth Jennings. And at the time, so this was in the early to mid 1800s, she was Rosa Parks before Rosa Parks was born. She was kicked off of a segregated streetcar and unhappy about it, talked to her father about it. And they filed a lawsuit against the city of New York to desegregate public transit. I know you're from, from New Jersey. Desegregated public transit in the city of New York. And that lawsuit, they won that lawsuit. And that lawsuit was really the impetus behind even desegregating all the streetcars, all the buses, all the public transit in New York. And she was represented, her lawyer, at that time, went on to become the president of the United States. So these were very, very well-connected African-Americans. He also went on to found the Abyssinian Baptist Church in New York, and so, or co-founded with, with several other people. So he was dedicated not just to the business, but to improving the lives of other people. Mm, and that gave us Adam Clayton Powell Sr. and Jr., and, That's right. And, and the the guy that was the Prince of Darkness that was Jeremiah Hamilton. Jeremiah Hamilton. Sure. Yeah, Jeremiah. Okay. But there's, there's all these names that should be household names, right? Along with Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass mm -hmm. and W. B. Du Bois. Um, and I want to expand that list for our young people because I know your kids know it. So I know your kids know it. And and but I need every child to know, and I need every adult to know that you know we didn't just come from people in the holes of ships. Um, and we weren't just kings and queens that came over from Africa. We are a lot of things and we need to see the fullness of who we are in every single aspect of life. And people like you, uh, and, and I'm gonna find Miss Slubby, thank you for that, uh, are, are committed to, to educating us. So I'm gonna ask and invite you to continue this conversation with me. Um, we I wanna keep going with it. Let's, let's maybe weekly come together and talk about somebody. I would love to, absolutely love to. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Shantavia Johnson, follow her at Shantavia, is it J-esque? Shantavia, J-E-S-Q. That On the Twitters. You. Yes, follow, bombard her and with questions too, because I think- Please come follow me. And you yes. Find, yeah, find all my work at shantavia.com. That's where everything is. S-H-O-N-T-A-V-I-A.com. Mm -hmm.